You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Everybody, hey, yeah, baby, are you ready? Whoa, whoa. Everybody, welcome back to the Get Talk Podcast. I am your host, Talk. What is up, everyone? Yes, we have made new music videos. Yes, we did it, and it was crazy. And I can't wait to show you all. There is a video or a visualizer for every song on the new album. Say what? I hope you like it. You will like it, because they're going to be great. Ori was great. I had a great time. Dana was great. Everyone was great. Whole crew was great. Thank you. I can't wait to share it with you. Uh, if you're not excited, you're a piece of shit. Hi, welcome back. Uh, I hope you all missed me. Um, uh, yeah, it was great. We had a great experience. That's why I've been yelling a lot. Sorry. All right. June 9th through the 19th, we will be moshing with some of our favorite buds in Alpha Wolf in Australia. I've never been. And let me tell you, I'm super stoked. Catch Alpha Wolf with support from us, Fit for a King, Great American Ghost, and Pale Dusk in Australia, June 9th through the 19th. Let's go. This week on the show, we have my buddy, Kyle Anderson. Kyle is the lead vocalist of Brand of Sacrifice, who are one of my favorite bands of recent time. I listen to them constantly, primarily in the gym or on late night drives, but this band fucks. They're so goddamn good. Um, Back when Fit was planning our now defunct European headliner, we had asked these guys to join us. Since then, they've grown by about a million percent, and it's absolutely insane to watch, and it's because they're insanely good. The band is fun, they're unique, and extremely hardworking. Kyle and his bandmate Leo have also uh, co-founded Shibori Threads, which a lot of you are probably wearing. With their recent article in Forbes, yes, I said Forbes, you can now see what people are really capable of when they put their head down and just work. Kyle and Leo are just so inspiring to be around. Very lucky to get to know those guys. And uh, that's enough nice shit about both of them, primarily Kyle. Here we go, my chat with Kyle Anderson of Brand of Sacrifice. Mr. Anderson. <laughs> Hello. How, how often does everyone do that to you? And is it all the time? It, it is all the time. Yeah, yeah I would assume sure. that it would be all the time. Uh, which, I mean, it makes sense. You know, it's hard not to. I am a big Matrix fan. Same. And uh, the most recent one is not my favorite. But it was fun, and I enjoyed it nonetheless, because at least it was something Matrix-related, but 
You know, yeah. my uh, my wife and I are actually going to go get the uh, bunny tattoos. Oh, hell yeah. On each other. But yeah. Hi, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, sir? Dude, I'm pretty good. Are you ready to get tucked? I'm ready to get tucked. It's going to get crazy. It's going to get wild. Everyone's going to be like, wow, that was the most insane thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, <laughs> so here's the thing. I was thinking about this. Lifeblood. You had like the cool uh, new version with Will, right? And then you also mm-hmm. did this like super dark bloom. So what if you guys do Lifeblood dance remix, all singing, you know? You know, I think that would be life, blood, rising up from the ash years. Oh yeah, with the uh, with the Scott Stapp. I think it would be pretty cool, man. Why not? I've heard you know your old band, so I know it's in there. It's in there. Might have to pull it out a little bit for the future. We'll see. Yeah. Now I missed your old band there, but there was a time where we were in the same place while you were in the after image and it was at a show in Connecticut and you guys were on that tour with era and Polyphia yeah. and invent animate. Um, and I guess I want to kind of start there cause I, I was listening to the band this morning and then I got to the gym and I had to put brand back on, which I do. There you go. Despite, <laughs> you know, uh, this past, like, you know, two years getting to know Leo a little bit and uh, yourself and Chris and, like, doing our own little managing venture thing. Been a huge fan of your band ever since we put together that um, European lineup where yeah. um, pre-COVID, uh, we were putting together a European tour and Marco had brought your band up and we were like, oh, shit, like, yeah, that band's fucking sick. Like, let's go with that. And it's crazy to think about now because at that time, I think you guys were on like, you know, 15,000 monthly listeners, like nothing crazy. It was very fresh and new. Mm -hmm. Um, But before that, let's get back to the after image because I am, I'm curious about what shifted the transition. Um, So I, uh, my first exposure to you guys was going to that Connecticut show and um, just like hearing about your band, checking it out. And I was like, okay, like this is shreddy reminds me of I'm abomination. He Mm -hmm. can shred on the vocals, but you guys were heavier than that. So how long did you guys tour that or, you know, push that project before shifting into brand of sacrifice? So that band started in the end of, 2011 and it, oh, okay. it went until about 2018 so but we didn't do a lot of touring we did only one u.s tour which was that one actually um oh. and we did a cross canada tour which was a disaster <laughs> van exploded basically oh no uh, <laughs> yeah and know, especially in canada it could be in literally the middle of nowhere it was in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of winter, to make it matters worse. Oh, no. But that's yeah, rough. That was rough. Canada is rough in the winter time. Um, I do always have good times there, and I think the shows are always great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the winter is quite brutal. Um, yeah, I guess I that's very interesting that the band did um, exist for that long. But I also I joined Fit. 
2014. So those first, you know, three years that you guys existed, I wasn't really listening to current music. I had kind of mm-hmm. like taken a break and just did like acoustic shit the few years prior to that. Um, okay. So I guess everything when I joined Fit was kind of new to me. Um, which you start? What year did you start Brand of Sacrifice? So that started in uh, 2018. Oh, okay. And now, uh, was yeah. it actually like a? I don't. Not a. What's the proper term for this? But like, not like a joke. But like, you just did it for fun. Like it was just like a side project. Yeah. It was thing. a side project for fun. It was supposed to be just like one EP. And that was it. And uh, it the aftermatch was kind of on the way out anyway at the time. We had things were just weren't panning out. I think we were cursed, to be honest. We called it the aftermatch curse. What is nothing... it? Explain it. How? Why, <laughs> why do you feel that way? Uh, I just think that it was, you know, to be honest, I wouldn't say if I really think about it, uh, it's not so much a curse. It was just bad decision making and being ill-advised and some things went wrong. Like, you know, maybe you were signed to like tragic hero, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, which I don't uh, think they exist. Do they still exist? Are they still, I think they still exist. Okay. They're still a label. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you're at tragic hero and you hear this, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you if you still, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I guess post invent animate. I haven't, um, thought about them too much but i did i mean other than poaching their drummer um which you know love you guys <laughs> sorry um but great <laughs> drummer he is he's so good um so after image i mean the band was great your vocals are insane and it's cool to hear the times that you do implement clean vocals into brand of sacrifice knowing that you have the capabilities but there's probably a large chunk of the brand fan base that maybe doesn't know that you have that in the bag and they, you yeah. know, it's a little, I'm going to sprinkle it in there a little something, something sometimes. Um, after image, uh, when it comes to, it's ironic you say that like poor decision making and ill advisement when I would say that brand of sacrifice is one of the smartest, more accomplished, especially in a short period of time, independent bands in metal um, in rock music. Really? I mean, like you guys have done so much so quickly where I think most young independent bands, when they're asking like, well, what do we do? It's like, well, you're not brand of sacrifice and shadow of intent. So I don't know. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But um what would you say were the things that were difficult for you guys as the after image to learn and to overcome in order to like be what, you know, I guess would perceive as like a really wise young band. I just think that we didn't, we just were going in blind and with brand of sacrifice, we learned from those mistakes and like, you know, experiences from, the corporate world working normal jobs and whatnot yeah. that also contributed to the success of the band. But, uh, I think, you know, trusting too much in the opinions of others when you kind of know in your gut what you should do in certain situations, that was a bad thing. Um, 
just not. I think not- that's a thing that I've seen with quite a few people in bands where we've had a few times as a band where we've had that like strange gut feeling where we're going to make a bad decision and then mm-hmm. we don't and it works out. And then you're like, yeah, I should trust myself. And I think too many times, like you said, um, you know, when you're a young band, you're looking up to people that maybe, you know, because they have experience, that's great, but they don't have that emotional attachment to your art that you do right. that will maybe help you to make the wiser decision in the moment. Um, but what were you about to say? Sorry, I kind of cut you off there. Oh, no, you're good. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think it would be that. Um, we just, we couldn't figure out what we wanted to sound like, too. Like, we were doing yeah. so many different things. We needed to streamline it a little bit as well. And then we had members in and out like uh, crazy. So uh, that was the other thing, hey. you know. So Hey, we all know that story, buddy. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that's a common thing that gets talked about on the show where like, you know, Fipper King has had, a, a, if you look at the Wikipedia, it's pretty deep. Uh, we've had quite a few member changes over the years, but um you know, I would say, like, I think around the 2011, Bob and Ryan Kirby joined Fit for King onward is really like, you know, the band. And then, mm-hmm. you know, there's a few still changes after that and stuff. Um, but for you guys, at least at the time in which I first heard of the after image, made sense where you, what you were doing. I mean, if you listen to it, it is like some tougher screaming vocals like you have a more masculine scream you're not very screamo quote unquote Mm -hmm. um and but your singing is very like smooth and pretty so like being on an era polyphia tour totally makes sense but i think that in the grand scheme of that type of music it's very hard to find your place in general because it's like well, do we play with Periphery or do we play with Dance Gavin Dance? Uh, and do we find ourselves in between? I don't really mm-hmm. know. It's difficult. Um, yeah. And it just sounds hard. It's hard to write that stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to play it's it and write it. A lot it. of notes. It is a lot yeah. of notes. It's so a We've lot. reduced the number of notes now. Yeah, I don't want to. Well, still being interesting. Yeah, it's kind of insane. I mean, because I did, you know, I I was really into I Am Abomination back in the day, and that was part of wanting to work with Nick Sampson on um, Death Grip. And I remember the first time that I saw them live, I was just like, holy shit, like these guys can (laughs) play so much better than everyone else. Um, Man, have you seen like the guitars that guy builds too? I have. I have. They're Uh, so sick. We actually did one song with him as After Image. Uh, oh, we went no down to Michigan, and uh, he, it was our song called Distance. He produced, and uh, he actually played a little bit on that, too. He played a little bit of guitar on it. Oh, nice. I mean, so. yeah, you would have to be top tier to play on that. Was that an issue when, I guess, replacing members? Is It's not like you could just get any schlub off the street. Like, no, it yeah, was you're really right. hard. It was hard, oh, and people that contributed to writing had left so now you're going to find someone new to 
recreate the sound. And that's what that was, I think, the downfall of the, at the end, uh, just trying to, you know, find someone that could actually write that stuff. And we found somebody, yeah. but it didn't quite hit, I feel. It didn't quite connect. Was anyone from Brand in that band? Yeah. Um, so Leo was in that band. Uh, oh, Dallas no was in the band. Uh, Liam was in the band. And our original drummer, Rob, was also in the band. Oh, so, so was, a good chunk of it. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much the whole band was oh, in wow. it. Okay. So. so it was like a rebrand of Sacrifice. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that was a dad joke about <laughs> about branding yourself. Um, with I see you do you have a face tattoo now? Did you get the brand do, yeah. on your face? It's not a it's not a brand, it's actually like the symbol for like sky or heaven. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's sick. Now, Berserk, that's what the whole band's originally about, right? Yeah. Is yeah. it still currently all written about it or it's um, like, it's like high level. I'd say, um, I'm trying to have similar language, but not be so specific. So the average person could kind of get their own thing out of it. Relate to so, it. Yeah. Relate to it. Yeah. That's cool. That makes sense. Um, what is, a, is berserk like originally like a manga? Is it yeah. just an anime? What's the, give me a little background on it. I, my like manga, or like anime stuff goes as far as like my sister got shown and jump every week and okay. I like Dragon Ball Z and like Yu Haka Show and okay. shit like that. Like very basic, like, you know, uh Toonami after dark shit and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it is it's a manga and it was it had has a couple adaptations of anime, but not the entire series. It's like I think they call it a sign-in. It's not a shonen. It's a dark, darker type of story. Oh, okay. Um, and it's it's like takes place in sort of a medieval uh, atmosphere, but it has some fantasy elements to it as well. Um, but basically, it's sort of like a story of survival. Um, I don't want to like give too much away to those who might be interested, but. Um, it's it's very dark. I'd say it's basically the like the death metal of anime, if I had That's to put pretty it. Pretty sick. So, um, for one, is there anywhere that people can stream it or watch it? I think the '90s anime, which is the recommended one, would be on YouTube. Actually, oh, uh, okay. Just you can just go on YouTube and watch it. That's sick. I will have to look for it because I've never watched it myself. Um, Definitely okay. worth it. Yeah, when uh, when I saw that that was like the main ethos of the band, I was like, well, that's interesting because like eventually, I don't know if the show is still continuing or if the story is still continuing. You know, some comic books or manga or whatever you you know last forever. I mean, you, if you yeah. had a whole band themed out of you know Batman, you could write for you a could go forever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You know, it's never ending. Um, but that's pretty cool. So. You're in After Image. What made you decide to do this side project thing? So Leo had left the After Image a couple of years before. Okay. And we put out a record called Eve. Um, that was our last album. And Leo came back because he had the itch to make music again. He was busy doing the, you know, the corporate thing. Corporate and world being a big daddy exactly and he's like you know what? i got i really want to write music again and i said 
well, why don't we just write something that's ridiculously obnoxious and heavy? And I sent him a few influences and whatnot, and we wrote this song called Eclipse together. Oh, okay. Um, that was sort of the first uh, thing that we wrote mm. in that style. And then we're just like, okay, let's do an EP. And because I thought it was just going to be a one-off type thing, I'm like, yeah, Berserk's my favorite manga and anime. I'm going to base it off this. So I kind of... Uh, well, and it told, helped you to have like the best band name. It's pretty fucking hard. It is a pretty cool name. Yeah. When you watch the if you if you watch the anime, you'll understand where it comes from too, and it makes it even cooler. Okay. No, I yeah. will watch it. Um, I enjoy watching anime. I'm bad at watching television. I tend to only watch the same things over and over again, and I put it on at a time period where I'm like ten minutes. I'll be asleep. Um, <laughs> Same. But yeah, I feel like right now and it's a it's a good thing. I'm I'm very uh stoked on it, but I do not have enough time to do all of the things that I would like to do right now. And it's hard when all you can think about is like, well, what do I build for my first commander deck? And uh people listening to the show, if you have um good ideas of what you like to play with commander for Magic the Gathering. Holler at your boy on Twitter. But um, that's pretty cool. Here's the thing. So when, which came first, the ending of the Afro image or you guys posting this first song of Brand of Sacrifice? So we had an offer to go to play Japan. That's for right. the after image. So we went. In about May of 2018, I think, we played a couple of shows, one in Tokyo and one in Osaka. And those were awesome because that that style of music is extremely popular there. And people mm -hmm. knew all the words and stuff like that, too. It was awesome. Um, and that was sort of like the last kind of couple of shows. And we maybe played a couple of local shows after that and called it quits then. But we actually released independently the ep at the same time when we went to japan for brand of sacrifice so oh okay i'd say about middle of the year we kind of fully called it quits with after image and then decided hey we're gonna keep rolling with brand of sacrifice and it was just officially leo and i at the beginning and then we brought rob in and then we started working on actually being a real band as things started to pick up that's cool. So how long did it take you to actually like play a show or anything with the project? So our first show, I believe, was in May of 2019. So about a year before we started playing a, a show. And that was in uh, New Jersey, our first show. No shit. We didn't even play locally. Um, we did our first tour. It was just a small tour with uh, Signs of the Swarm. Oh. Uh, their very first headliner that they did. Um. And there was a band called Sentinels on that tour yeah. as well. Great guys. And uh, this other band called Depths of Hatred from uh, Montreal. Uh, and, and we opened that tour. And then we immediately went from that to Summer Slaughter. So got beaten into shape, I think, as a band. That's pretty insane. But I, I'm sure that the experiences you guys had as a band previously, um, you know, in After Image helped you to like, not be dweebs right away where you like had some yeah. experience and some calluses and you were like, okay, like we roughly know how to tour. So let's just go and, uh, you know, get our shit together as quickly as possible. 
All yeah, right. it definitely helped. You <laughs> have a basic idea of the the flow of the day. In how many bands were on that summer slaughter? Like fucking twelve or some shit. I think there was seven. Oh, okay, that's not like so. Too it wasn't a massive terrible. one, but yeah, it was still pretty hectic. So difficult. Like I, you know, I look at the old uh, the All Stars and mm. uh, scream it like you mean it and all the shit. Now, I would love for those to come back. Because I think they were awesome. But the problem is also, I don't know if there are enough bands to do that shit anymore. I don't think there are. I don't think there are. Where there was, because there was like 500 Rise Records band, and you could put like half the lineup was their new baby bands that were all getting probably like $200. And then, yeah, you know, you put like a couple sick ones on there, and it was great. Loved it. What was that Christian one? S- scream the prayer? Like you mean it? I was screaming like you mean it? Scream the prayer, yeah. Yeah, that was a sick one. Yeah, scream the prayer was sick. The Fit did scream the prayer one year, but it was before I joined, and the headliner was impending doom, but Brooke wasn't on the tour. It was Danon, um, who's oh. uh, in Nothing Left now, and he used to be in a bullet for Pretty Boy. Now in... Dan, and you're a great guy, great vocalist. But if I'm going to see Impending Doom, I want fucking Brooke. And, yeah. uh, you know, but they have played with them quite a bit. They're a sick band. Impending Doom. I loved Impending great. Doom. They still are great. They play occasionally and they're still fucking awesome. Um, yeah. I definitely uh, think that that band had like a big influence on fit especially the early stuff like if you listen to it it's like basically a pending doom with vocal with singing that's awesome yeah it's pretty cool i didn't know that at first and then like you know bob and kirby kept bringing up this band like you know impending doom i was like all right i'm gonna listen to this i was like oh this is like our band but like you made singing parts that's cool (laughs) uh sick um so Shout out to Impending Doom because we probably wouldn't exist without them. Maybe I don't know. I'll have to ask Bob and Kirby later. Just really bring that. Maybe I should just do this publicly first, and then people will be like, "Oh, cool, that's it." Should talk <laughs> your own band. Maybe I don't know. Um, so I guess that time, the COVID times, have kind of erased a huge chunk of time for me. Um, how far was it between how much time was it between the release of the EP and us planning that European run only two years? Yes. Just about that because we put out our full length God hand in early or mid actually summer of 2019. So we were planning that. I don't think Lifeblood was out yet. We were planning that, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that your band is probably one of the best examples for young bands to want to follow because you guys do at the moment, there's like a ton of heat and hype and like momentum for you guys. But I wouldn't say it's necessarily like an overnight success. You guys have worked very hard for a long period mm-hmm. of time, including since the beginning of brand of sacrifice and with consistency gotten the results that you have gotten. And 
I think that oftentimes, especially when we were younger, you would see a band, they, you know, and this was like, okay, I'll, I'll use a good example from my hometown area. And this is like one of my very good friends, uh, whole reason why I know my wife, like my buddy Max, mm-hmm. who's in this band called That's Outrageous. Okay. They put two songs out on SoundCloud. Uh, and then, or not SoundCloud, what was the one at the time? Um, oh, this is going to be Pure Volume? Pure Volume. Yes. Thank you. Put it out on Pure Volume. Rises to being like the most popular song in, you know, screamo metalcore genre mm-hmm. in on Pure Volume for that period of time. Rise Records, here's the two songs. Signs the band. Band did not even have full members. It was two guys. Then they get like, or three guys at the time, get the whole band, start touring, go on like an Of Mice and Men tour, and like cool shit, like right out of the gate. We're like, what the fuck is this shit? Like I've been (laughs) selling 500 tickets and playing locally and this and that, and like my band is not doing shit. How did they just do that? And... That was kind of the beginning of what I think bands like yours have been able to truly accomplish and finesse now, where at that time, a uh, large success to that project and to um, the same, the guitar player's other project, which was uh, We Are The In Crowd, was he could record and produce himself, which yeah. um, I did not know this until lunch last week, which I had lunch with Leo and Chris last week. Mm-hmm. That Leo mixed the record. He did, yeah, yeah, yeah. I it makes me feel so awful and lazy and terrible about myself. <laughs> no. I think I might cease to exist pretty soon because fuck you guys and how much you guys get done. Now, for everyone listening too, you guys also do Shibori Threads, which has been incredibly successful because as I was, I yelled and had to make sure everyone that was like in the town that we were in knew like, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Leo. So how does it feel to have a Forbes article about you? (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Like a million dollars in sales. That's pretty cool with your Forbes article. Leo. (laughs) And it was, I was so obnoxious. It was great. I loved it. Um, what an amazing accomplishment, first and foremost. Thank you. So, dude, congratulations. That's so cool. Um, Appreciate it. And thanks for printing some stuff for us because it was a great sale. And uh, yeah. I loved it. Had a great time. Made some money. Felt awesome. Loved it. Um, so, date, getting back to just the idea of being an independent band. So, you guys had been signed to Tragic Hero Records. Did you have a manager when you were uh, with the After Image? We did. We had a, a couple, actually. Um, so we had our first manager was a dude named Richard Fernandez. Oh, okay. Who still works with bands today. I think he works with yep, he's like Moss to Flames. Yeah, he's at Tandem. Um, he was our first manager. He had, I think he had just sort of started at that point. Okay. Uh, and then we worked with... Uh, Jesse Cash from Era. He was our manager for a bit. Nice. Uh, I think he was Good managing Invent as well at that time. Uh, That's pretty Along sick. with Sean Carano. 
So. Oh, wow. Sean Carano. He managed our band for a period of time as well, along oh, with yeah. Corey Haiti. Um, we've always had Corey, but he jumped into the team for a couple of years. Um, but anyone else? Or that that those are those were the uh, the main names, and uh, then the band sort of went on hiatus for a bit. Didn't really do anything. Kind of working jobs, not touring or playing much. It it sort of became on and off after that era tour. Okay, and then people were leaving, and Leo left. Uh, our other guitar player at the time, Sam, left, and so we had to sort of rebuild the band, find a new guitar player and writer. But yeah. So no manager after that. Okay. So that's where you guys started to learn how to necessarily, I guess, be an independent DIY band yeah. to some extent. Okay. Um, so would you say that you guys being an independent self-managed uh, band started just because it was a fun project that started as a side project, no big pressure, just doing it for fun. And that's why it, you know, kind of led to that direction where eventually it seems like the other people I know that follow this course is when you slowly build it on an independent platform, there's no real rush to getting to management and stuff. If it's, well, we started getting good tours, people are listening to the music we're seeing mm -hmm. some sales, people buy the merch. What are you really bringing to the table? Um, so for you guys, <clears throat> was it that like kind of ease and pace of those first three years that allowed you to stay the course like that? Or is it just personal ethics or kind of, where does that come from? Uh, I think we saw just, you know, it was a combination of things not working out or decisions that were made with other managers or whatnot. We just wanted to keep ourselves honest and stay the course that we wanted to have, I guess. Um, and we didn't see the value. I think you touched on that. We didn't see the value in bringing someone in uh, to collect a percentage when we could handle it ourselves. Um, and we actually enjoyed doing that, too. Leo and I enjoy having those calls and sending those emails and uh, cultivating those relationships. It's actually fun for us. So um, we figured if we're fun. having fun with it, like what's the point in bringing someone on? And, and, but I think at a certain point you don't want to be the big fish in the small pond anymore. And there's yeah. stuff to be learned. You're better off being the small fish and learning from those who have a lot of experience from there. But. Absolutely. And I think that the reason why you guys were able to have the success you had is one, you're very bright. And two, you, you did have some experience that helped you to get that way. Where if you're, you know, say an 18 year old kid and you just started your first band and, you know, you don't really know anything about anything, it might be helpful to have someone that can provide some guidance or something like that. Yeah. Um, where, you know, say if you went back to the beginning of the after image and the um, knowledge that you guys had at that point, you know, but you were having the success of Brand of Sacrifice, you may have wanted uh, some assistance more quickly than you did necessarily now for the project. But like I stated earlier, um, it's interesting to think about 
when we first were introduced to the band and loving the whole project, seeing the statistics that were there. And then boom, COVID happens. Now we're post COVID. Your band is like a thousand times bigger. Like actually. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's psycho it, shit. <laughs> it's it pretty just, fucking cool. Like, thank you. And you did it with like it you did it with the hard work and elbow grease baby like <laughs> it's kind of fucking crazy like when you think about it because out of the covid time period you guys were one of the bands like you guys loathe spirit box static dress um i think were like the buzzier bands of the time mm-hmm. period um and it was crazy because before that you were Nobody really knew who you guys were. Yeah, That's definitely under nuts. the radar before. Now, not being able to play shows, especially because you guys are, majority of the band is in Canada, if I'm correct? Uh, yeah. Okay. Now, is just Leo here in the States? Leo and uh, our drummer Mike is in Texas, actually. Oh, the Freedom State. That's great. Yes. Where is he in Texas? He's in Houston or just outside Houston. Oh, that's pretty cool. I'm going down to Houston area in a couple weeks. I'm flying into Houston and driving because Trey's getting married and I get to go see him get married. So I'm very excited. Congrats to him. Um, Yeah, congrats to him. It's pretty fucking cool. Marriage is tight. Then you get to own someone forever (laughs) until they leave you because you're a bad person because you said that on the podcast. And then I go, honey, no, I love you. Please stay. Um, That's... (laughs) It's the weekend. I'm very excited. I get to have fun with my wife after she gets out of work. It's hard. I feel like a dumb uh, little dog in a cage here uh, sometimes during the day because she's at work. And then, I, but luckily, I do stuff like this, and it helps me to stay occupied. Yeah. But all in all, I'm just saying I I love my wife. I think she's pretty cool. I'm excited for Trey to get married. I don't know why talking about Trey getting married put me on a tangent about talking about my wife. But, um, (laughs) okay. Fuck my wife. Let's talk about your band. That's always my segue into (laughs) whatever. When I get on a tangent, I'll be talking about some other band. And I'm like, fuck that fucking band. But, you know. I feel like the deep breath before saying that, you know, it sounds, I said it with love, kind of, you know. So if she hears this, she won't be mad at me when she hears <laughs> this. Um, but <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, okay. You guys independently have released quite a bit of music, but overall, it's been during what I would say is a very short period of time three and a half years, roughly. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. So you're now with Blood Blast uh, currently, Distro, which um, I've gotten to like speak with them a little bit. And mm-hmm. lovely people, very cool, awesome idea. Yeah. Um, love the tools, love what they offer. Very, very cool company. Um, did you guys uh, release independently through like a Distro Kit or CD Baby or something like that previously before that? So before that, we were briefly on Unique Leader Records. Um, oh. So we we released our EP independently in May, but then it got re-released again on Unique in the fall of that year. 
And then we no did shit. God Hand, the full length album with them as well. And that was it. That was the end of the the contract. Well, that's kind of nice, isn't it? That's yeah. interesting. That's a short contract. That's it is a short contract. People sign short contracts. It's better for you um, if you're going to sign one at all. But um, there's definitely a ton of advantages. Like I said, like after, you know, getting to speak to Leo and like someone like Chris more extensively where I think Chris is, it's got to be really cool to see where, for instance, he has one band that is signed to uh, Mm -hmm. a label and then one sign that is independent, which I'm going to have to have him on the show to talk about that more extensively as well. But for you guys, now that you are able to self-record, self-produce, mix, release independently, put it out through a company that can assist you with things like actually generating real playlisting and, you know, having a human face versus, you know, just robots that are fake plays and some bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um, What is the incentive for you to go towards a label in the future if there would to be one? Um, it would have to be, there'd have to be value for growth, I'd say. Um, because kind of like the big fish in a small pond, small fish in a big pond, like you get to a point where eventually you do want some assistance for people that can provide you with larger opportunities. Um, but I think that the cool thing that would come from that, at least for you guys, you have an experience that most people in bands will never receive which is going through the process of doing a lot of these things independently and learning how much effort it does take to have all of those things go well and work smoothly and not Mm -hmm. just in terms of you know digital distribution i mean in terms of i'm sure you guys have done like physical sales or vinyl and stuff like that as well um which all of that together can be a whole pain in the ass. Um, it, it is a lot to think about and a lot to organize, and yeah. so far in advance as well. Vinyl now, plants you, are delayed. Yeah, now that shit is crazy. Which we actually uh, are planning. We're we're picking vinyls um, right now. Uh, I was looking at them before we were on the call, um, and I had picked the six I wanted. And then they were like, well, we also have this like crazy one that we're doing like for today. And then I have to decide. See like this? You want to see our new artwork too? Yeah, let's see it. I am very happy with it. I don't know if you can see it, but let me move the light so it's not so glaring. Uh, oh, that's tight. Yeah. Um, she's pissed off and dead looking. I am yeah, very I like excited about it. Um, but yeah, I just have to choose the last, last one. Um, yeah, it's been, that's one of my favorite processes for this type of shit is picking those things and, you know, it's finalizing fun. artwork and picking the vinyls and all that kind of fun stuff. But, um, it can be really, really difficult. Now, is the art and some of the initial, like, I guess, like, branding, quote-unquote, of, like, of the band based off of the television show as well? 
Um, it's it's not really exactly. Um, I wanted to sort of have dark imagery, but not be exactly from the show. I you know to to avoid any potential uh, copyright issues and whatnot. Yeah, nobody wants to get sued. Um, but it, you know what though, like. Fuck it. Sorry. Nah, you won't get sued. Um, <laughs> dude, uh, I think through the uh, through the dark times, that uh, Demon King was my my favorite song of the whole yeah. chunk. It was it provided the the best gains for sure. And uh, your band is definitely like the best band for lifting. Period. Like you can't put on demon king and not feel like you're on crack it's awesome (laughs) at least when you're like you just took pre-workout you're at the gym you're wearing something that's extremely tight so you can see all of your muscles and you're like yeah dude i do look fucking huge i can get this and it's it's great (laughs) it's the best shit ever um so i think maybe that's partially why i've listened to your band so very much but um that's funny i accidentally just put on the life load lifeblood with will um the recent collaboration you did the mm-hmm. dark bloom whose idea was to do that um i think that the idea came from david their drummer good old pucket good old pucket yeah i think uh, i like david pucket we've been working with him directly on some ad stuff yes. um for everyone listening, David runs a company called Hyperculture, and Hyperculture, um, they run the advertising for a lot of your favorite bands. Everyone from, I guess, Brand of Sacrifice and or Shibori, Fit for a King, and mm-hmm. up to like massive bands like Five Finger, Death Punch, and shit. Man's a genius. He's a he's a oh, wizard. Yes. Incredibly uh, smart fella. Yeah. So I think he. As far as I know, I think that was his idea. And then we sort of, originally it was just going to be kind of me jumping on as a feature, but then we thought about it and we're like, why don't we like actually change the song up and have Leo add production and uh, put some new guitar work in there and kind of reimagine the song, but in an opposite way. Like most people do like an acoustic reimagining that's what we did, tune. buddy. Yeah, we did two of those, uh, which is fun. Singing, yeah, is they're nice. fun. They're they're nice. Um, but this, no one's done that where they've done the reverse, and uh, I'm a fan. It's sick and it's working. How long ago did you put that out? What is up, Mother Tuckers? Do you want to work with your favorite artist looking for that epic feature so everyone will know how badass your band is? Go check out FeatureDex.com. We have an insane selection of singers, screamers, guitarists, bassists, drummers, graphic designers, and so much more. Do you want Ryan Kirby to sing or scream on your song? Do you want Austin Archie from Lauren Ashore to go and do some crazy on your song? Well, guess what? He can, because all you have to do is submit it to him at FeatureDex.com. Do it now! This week's, I can't believe I just went for drums because that's, that's what drums, but seriously, that's what Austin does. They're that fast. It's like, 
you guys like that? It was pretty good. I'm a double kicker now. Okay, this week's mid-roll mosh is Out of the Blue by No Face, No Case. Uh, Kyle chose this one, and I'm glad he did because this track is insane, and it makes me want to beat the piss out of my own house. Um, it is the ultimate mosh song, the final boss of all mosh songs. Plus, they're from Prague, which is pretty cool. I love Prague, and I would say it's probably like Fitz's favorite place in Europe. Um, big fan. But here we go. Go and uh, beat the shit out of the person next to you. No face, no case, out of the blue. You fucking bitch! Aw, oh, shit, guess who's back? B-I-G-B-G, motherfucker! About a week ago, 
and it already has 417,000 foot plays. Yeah, it's uh, so that's pretty it's good. Pretty well, I'd yeah. say. Now it is helpful when the wizard of all uh, Spotify ads is in the band. Yes, um, that did the clap. That's very helpful now because we also like we did the collab with We Car and ABR and stuff like that too, mm-hmm. um, which I think more bands really need to do. It is fun and it is collaborative and it is good for you and it is healthy and it is good to show people that people like other people and are willing to work together. Stop being such a piece of shit and being scared to have other people feature on your music. You pussy. That's speaking to everyone, not you. Please don't come through the screen and beat me up. (laughs) Um, Well, like they do it so much in pop and hip hop. It's just commonplace. So why are we not adopting it in metal? Well, and they're finally starting to do the cool thing that hip hop's done for a long time in terms of Spotify as well, where they're physically adding the artists onto the um, song and in terms of like playlisting as well. So like it will show up um, on each other's Spotify's. Yeah, that's where that's um, great. Super helpful, man. Um, so I think that it's finally starting to catch up, which is really cool. The um, Lifeblood with Will added on is super sick. I loved it originally, mm-hmm. but when he says ashes, ashes, yeah. It's, yeah, it's so good. It's so much fun. That guy fucking rules. And uh, what another like super the best fun the way to Oh, yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah, the guy is unreal good. I just... um. I was texting Nick uh, Nocturnal this morning because I just watched the Recreant um, oh, yeah, yeah. cover that they did, which they if, killed that. again, if you guys are listening, uh, Nick Nocturnal and Will Ramos are um, doing like uh, just a bunch of covers together and they have a Chelsea Grin Recreant cover. And it's fucking great. Um, yeah, I love hearing him do that kind of shit and mm-hmm. vice versa. I actually learned a Fit for a King song from Nick Nocturnal once, The Lioness, because he had nice. covered it years ago. And then I had to learn it for a tour. So I learned it from his YouTube. There we go. Super helpful. What a guy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, dream collab. Like if you did something like Dark Bloom, but with somebody else, who you got? I'd want to do something pretty ridiculous. Like it'd be cool to do like a poppy or a baby metal or something like that. I think that would be fun. I want Casey Musgraves to do like a heavy song with us. And she sings on it. Like when bring me had lights on a bunch of their records. Oh yeah. You know, but it's Casey Musgraves and then she's best friends with us. And that would be super cool. Casey, hear this, please just do it. Do it for me. Um, (laughs) so with you guys being able to, um, gradually make more connections in order to connect yourself with someone like David, um, what would be your best advice for young bands that are trying to, you know, they would say they have a good product you know, they're starting to get, you know, they're back where you guys were pre-COVID, 15,000 monthly listeners. 
but they don't really know what that next step is. How do they get a little bit more buzz? How do they get some help? What were some of the things that really helped you guys to take that next step? Was it figuring out the, you know, Facebook advertising or Spotify algorithms in order to push things better or, you know, what's kind of that, that first step. Kind of coming up with a plan on how you want to roll things out. Um, I think that's a good start. Also building relationships and chatting with people and talking to them instead of being like, Hey, this is my band, you know, yes. that doesn't really st- you don't want to start with that because, you know, like both of us get so many messages constantly from people, yo, check out my band. You know, it's like, yes, I don't I think most of the time I, I would love to just get to know a person, yes. you know, and, and have that person actually want to talk to me instead yeah. of, cause that seems like you're just requesting that you use my platform, you well, know, rather than. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny you say that too, because it's like, well, okay. Say I do, you send me a, you know, Instagram or Facebook, you know, check out my band, dude. Okay, cool. I listen to it. And I think this is bad. What do I do? What do I do? When I just say message you back. Oh, yo, I'm sorry. You're fucking terrible, bro. Like your band's fucking bad. Like it's real. Just quit now. Don't like it bad. Um, you know, cause the other thing is so often, Say you do check it out. You have some advice. You're like, you know what, man? I think that this rocks. This part's real cool, but bridge is pretty whack. Like you should go restructure the song. Oh, well, we already like recorded it. And like, this is like the mastered version. And we, oh, cool. So yeah, just put out a worse song. Cause you already finished it with Joe Schmo. That's great. That's a good attitude to have. You yeah. know, you asked me for my advice. I'm telling you that this part's bad. You know, I'm not saying I'm the end all be all. I'm not fucking the God hand. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I use that correctly or not. <laughs> but, you know, it's just an interesting thing because do people, the question is, do people really want your opinion? Do they want your opinion or do they just want you, Kyle from Brandon Sacrifice, to tell them, yes, I liked your song? I think it's the latter, yeah. 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 It's, it's, ego filling shit and uh i think that the bands that are able to make more sincere connections and uh it's you know like going back to the episode uh two episodes before this with void uh talking about that band they just were on our headliner Mm -hmm. and i did not know their band at all i ended up really liking a couple songs before the tour but didn't know them for shit. Nicest fucking easiest guys to be around. What a joy to have every day. Like mm-hmm. just being cool, being fun to be around. It just, I think is, is so much more helpful and will make someone ask the question, which is also, oh, are you in a band? Cause it'll come, you know, if you just start like a real conversation, yeah. You know, eventually you'll probably go, oh, well, cool. Like, do you play music or anything? Yeah, actually, I do play music. Uh, Kyle, thanks for asking. I'm in this band. I play guitar. Can you fucking listen to it? And then you'll listen to it. But that's a much better approach. So, yeah, like I, I'm more inclined to want to explore that. Have I had an actual connection with this person or 
that's hit me up, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that just goes for any kind of relationship. There's a, there's a way that you have to do it. And I get it. A lot of people in the scene they're they just there for the music and they don't have backgrounds and other things and whatnot. But, um, you got to put on a lot of hats if you want to yeah. do this and be, be serious about it. Yeah. Um, so just, I would just recommend to people if there's anything I would say is just, there's a way to talk to people. And if you can start with that, it's going to lead to a lot more interesting things and opportunities down the line. If you create good relationships, you know, yes, that was very well said. And, uh, it is a lot of how you talk to people. And that's something that I certainly have, have had to figure out, have to consciously put effort into because one, I'm obnoxious and I say ridiculous things constantly that can be very offensive and make people uncomfortable. <laughs> so I have to be in check, but I've, that is one of those things where, you'll have a conversation with someone and they just say a couple things or just enough where you're like, the fuck did you mean by that? You know, what are you, what are you getting at? We're don't, we're not close enough for you to say things like that. You know, and I, I, there's people and things that come to mind after what you just said, where I'm like, yeah, I wonder I wonder if they know that they come off that way at times, you know. I don't think they do. I don't think that they do either. Um and I have a few like good mental examples at the moment. Um which here's the list, motherfuckers. Dun, da, da, da. And then I just start <laughs> shit talking some fucking bands real quick. I just list oh, them man. off and just be like, "Hey, by the way, your band fucking sucks." And you're, and I just the the header for this episode is Kyle Brand of Sacrifice says all these bands suck ass. Oh I'd my god! Spin it on you. That would be just throw me under the bus. I should. That would be pretty funny. <laughs> um, I won't do that, but there are a couple that are in my head, and now I'm going to think about that. But I do. This is a conversation I had it a little bit on the tray episode. And I think it's a consistent thing that I talk about where it brings me back to an early conversation I had with a friend that was like one of my earlier friends from touring and stuff. And mm -hmm. that was in a successful band. And, you know, when things started to work out with me in being fit for a king, uh, being in fit for a king, he was like, well, you know, you, you always, you always knew how to hang. You always kind of, you got it. You knew what how to just you know be around the boys and do the thing and yeah it was smooth and it's such a simple thing to try to define and such a simple concept to think about but it is so difficult to understand and master and uh which I you know never will because like I said my brain is and what I say is just terrible uh, <laughs> but, um you know i think that it's really hard to take that first step of between the like man these you know yeah your band's okay but man you guys really don't fucking get it at all like fuck or 
you know, yeah, like your band's not great, but you guys are so cool. Like you guys are great. Best hangs, you know, that's a tough, I'd always rather be the band that's not that good with the hangs than the band that's good, but just don't get it at all. Cause I feel like the one, the bit, the other band will get better before the other band figures it out. Yeah. When, I'm yeah, with you. I'm sorry. With you on I'm that. on a tangent now. <laughs> you know, it's just me and Trey have had this conversation like extensively. Um, and it's such a hard thing because I've definitely had like friends or acquaintances, I think is a better phrase for it, that ask for advice. And like I said, I'm not, you know, I'm just regurgitating shit. I've seen, learned, heard, whatever. And, uh, but sometimes people just don't get it and you could give Mm -hmm. them all the info in the world, but they just won't, won't figure it out and won't make it work. Um, but one really important thing that's gone along with your, with your brand, with your band is your brand. You know, we said, noted it before, you guys have a very cool name, which is very helpful. But on top of that, you've been able to capitalize in other areas that some people may not necessarily be able to. So with that one, independent merchandising, which is great for yourselves, having a very cool logo, having something that people are interested in seeing and wearing, what made you decide into pivoting and creating Shibori? Um, I think we saw a gap in the market. Um, we, you know, a lot of, especially heavier bands have a lot of just black t-shirts and black hoodies. Yes. And we, we dropped a couple of tie dye garments in the past and they were like the bit, the highest sellers we've ever seen. So we okay. thought it'd be interesting to, uh, license out. Um, some custom tie-dye stuff to other bands. And um, so we started off with like friends that you've toured with, you know, um, yeah. bands like that, you know. Was it like Signs of the Swarm or like shit Yeah, like we did or... like Signs of the Swarm and uh, this band called Carcosa from BC. And, yep, very uh, cool band. band. Bands like that at, at first. I Declare War was on the first one. Um, and then we saw some success from that and we we realized that there's something you could also put a cool spin on is it's like a a lighter band that has like bright kind of cute merch like dance gavin dance it'd be cool if you gave them a black metal logo yeah you know uh so it is very sick and now you can see logos like that in fucking h&m and shit and i would like to think that you guys did it first I don't know who did it first, but I, I do know that um, people are fans of it. So, uh, yeah. you know, Zoomies, Zoomies has a lot of that kind of stuff now, too. Um, but the thing I think that makes these special is that um, they only happen once. They're limited drops, um, and that item isn't reproduced again. So it's like something that's special. And because it's tie-dye, no two of them are actually the same technically speaking. So it's like your own unique piece from that band. That's, you know, if you're, if you're able to get one, then that's something that's special. 
you know, it's, I didn't really it's a, think about it like that, but that's very true. Um, and as we started to see people come to shows with their Shibori, which for one dude, Noted especially in our VIPs, which, you know, are everyday only, you know, anywhere from like, you know, 5, 10 to 50 people. Mm-hmm. There's Shibori every day. And not just That's like awesome. our hoodie, but all the, you know, other people's hoodies too and stuff. And uh, the Spirit Box one was very popular. Yeah, um, that one that one popped off. It- but man, what a cool thing to finally see in person where we would always like point that person out and be like, Hey, like, thanks for grabbing that. You know, it's like really mm-hmm. cool of you. And, uh, I think it is the freshest like streetwear take on scene culture yet. Uh, because definitely at the time where, you know, s- streetwear started becoming more popular in the culture, mm-hmm. um, at least for people to wear and stuff like that. Um, it was hard to figure out how to tie in band merchandising with that. And uh, I think you guys have been able to create the most like fresh, unique brand out of that, which is pretty fucking sick. Um, what's your like, uh, what's the favorite band that you've gotten to work with uh, through that collab so far? Um, the dance Kevin dance one is so fucking cool. Like I, can't I think that one's probably that. my favorite. Um, Man. obviously I love the one that we did together, but, uh, I've been a fan. Ours is really pretty. Ours I, des- I actually pretty. designed that one. Oh no shit. Enough. Yeah. I would uh, love to do a full sweatsuit. Um, let's do it. Yeah. I, that's what I really want just because I like sweatsuits cause I, uh, live in New Jersey. So, okay. Okay. Just, you know, why not? But, um, yeah, what an interesting idea. So that's cool that you guys just kind of took a chance on it and then just seeing in seeing the results, you're like, we should really do this. Um, but you've, in a short period of time, again, like with the band, man, you guys have teamed up with some pretty fucking large bands. But I guess the perk with that is once you make relationships with, say, a few management teams or a label Mm -hmm. or something like that, then you grant access to a larger number of artists, um, which can be very helpful. You know, sometimes one person can knock out a few for you all at once, which can, can be great. Yeah. Um, One thing I really, just to jump in for a second, one thing I really do like about the, the model is that the artist takes home the majority of the profit. So oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. during COVID when none of us could tour that, that was very helpful to a lot of bands. So uh, I'm happy that, you know, that is something that is contributing to the success and the financials of bands in the scene when we, we couldn't generate that from, from tour income. So couldn't agree more. I, uh, yeah, I made a lot of money off our split. It was great. I loved it. Not like as much. I mean, I've, you know, some of y'all's drops have been like psycho mode, like crazy, crazy psycho mode. I'm sure those people making like fucking racks on racks on racks on racks, rack ball, 
like <laughs> crazy shit. Oh, that's a reference I haven't heard in a while. Rack em, rack ball, rack, 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 rack em, rack, 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 rack em, rack. <laughs> oh Classic. yeah, yeah, I am Rackham Willie. Uh, I have a an alternate character named Stump that uh, is a homeless man and a real piece of shit. And he's always asking for a dollar and offering sexual services for it. And uh, <laughs> I've done it in just like the worst places where like I sent a picture to my wife of me like walking through the fashion district of Milan, like of being a homeless fuck. And <laughs> she's just like, that's my dream place to go. And you're being a total piece of shit. And I'm like, yeah, isn't it awesome? Like, this is so funny. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. It's awful. But um, yeah, I guess, uh, how much do you think to the effect of having Shibori, do you think it lays on the band? Like, do, you know, do they, does the brand make Shibori popular and Shibori makes brand popular and the two just kind of live off of each other. And it, the only other close thing that it reminds me of, you know, and actually funny stating back to like streetwear culture, this wasn't necessarily streetwear, but the only other brand that's really crushed it like that was uh drop dead. Oh, that that's a classic. That's yeah. a classic. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, there's definitely a marriage there. I'd say, um, I mean, we've done a lot of brand drops through it and, you know, we did a slaughter to prevail crossover, uh, sweatsuit. We've now done the week oh, crossover sweatsuit and we've done, I think two other, uh, three, we've actually done three other brand garments through Shibori at this point. Cause we were part of the first drop too. So it's I want to see slaughter to, to prevail very badly. They're All sick. Right. I haven't seen them live yet, personally. Yeah, same. That would be fucking awesome. Band is great. Um, no, that makes sense. And I would assume that just because you guys are connected and the more buzz get that gets created about, you know, Shibori, like people will always want to know, you know, where did this come from? You know, mm-hmm. who is the brains? Who's the designer? The new hoodies that you've done recently are sweatsuits with the chains. Yeah. In in the hood. Fucking sick. Thank uh, you. Probably very loud in the dryer. Probably want to air dry that. Yeah, you probably but... want to air dry that. And they can be <laughs> removed too. Um, I think we're just doing maybe one more with, with those for now. But it's sort of like a limited, limited on limited thing. Limited you know? on limited. Yeah. yeah. You, I don't know where you guys find this shit, but man, it's fucking awesome. Like, what a cool thing to see. And, uh, Thank you. You know, like you said, with the percentages of it, one, you know, all jokes aside, you are very correct. It is incredibly helpful. And that drop was, you know, a nice treat. That's for sure. And um, it's been really hard. And that was a lot of the ethos between, you know, behind Feature Deck stuff and why we did, you know, that where it was just like, well, yeah, I can't work and none of my friends can work. So how do we all make money now? Yeah. Okay. Like, let's make sure that, you know, the pockets are, you know, fed if, you know, if we can. And, uh, you know, that's a really cool thing. And I think that that energy and maybe having that mindset, um, which once you start seeing the sales and start seeing things come in, I'm sure it would be very easy to be like, 
you know what? Maybe we got to keep an extra five, ten. You know, you start seeing those bigger sales, those like dance, Gavin, dance sales, you know, 5%. That's a lot of fucking Skrilla, you know, and that kind of stuff. And to have that ethos and maintain that ethic, really fucking cool, man. And uh, thanks for doing that and helping us and and to helping the other people. Um, Because it has been nice on top of, you know, getting to know you guys. It's been very cool to get to work with you guys. And, uh, you know, throughout the year, you know, get the advice of you and Leo. And, um, you know, you very quickly become well you know kind of staples in the community it's very very sick to see um and that is a thing that i think is uh you know difficult for a lot of up-and-coming artists or a lot of artists in general is to um you know find a place and like continue to grow in it within Mm -hmm. this you know kind of weird little scene world but i like seeing these spurts of positive um, energy that seem to be creating like better relationships and a more healthy place for everyone to make music and shit and actually do this crap. Um, Man, does drop dead still, they still do close, right? I am not really too sure. I'm going to have to look. I wonder. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I was I brought this up on Twitter either last night or this morning, but I was like, man, do bands still you know, I remember looking at even like, you know, a Fallout Boy music video and Pete Wentz is wearing a Bane hoodie and I'm like, that's the coolest shit I've ever seen in my whole fucking life. Do people still wear other bands shit in music videos? Or are we all just trying to look dripped up as fuck? <laughs> I think it might be a dripped up era, but yeah yeah Uh, i don't know i kind of like miss it you know i was but this comes from i was just yesterday i was making outfits for our next music videos coming up and i was looking at this new microwave shirt i got the other day and i was like the shirt's hard as fuck like (laughs) microwave is sick people won't expect that in a fit for a king music video this could be sick um well dude before i let you go and shit um with everything that you guys have kind of experienced um, with doing the band, with doing Shibori, um, do you find it easier? How how much do you guys kind of like pre, pre-plan and pace yourselves with your releases now that they are independent and um, doing these Shibori drops? It's a lot to maintain. It's a lot of work to do. Um, and I know that you and Leo, you know, self manage everything for the most part, um, or have Mm -hmm. for the majority of your career. Um, that must be one very difficult. Um, but for people who are trying to do a similar thing to what you guys are doing, maybe not without the Shibori stuff, but when it comes to the band, would you say that consistency seems to be key for, cause for you guys, I would see, I would say like having frequent releases has been very fruitful. I mean, like we said, we were talking what or late 19, early to 20, you mm-hmm. guys had 15,000 monthly listeners today. You have 440,000. Yeah, monster I think, fucking increase in numbers. Like, 
you know, and it wasn't because a lot of people might say, well, that could be a fucking boy. It wasn't a blow up thing. It's been like super consistent, just like all the way up fucking mountain. So do you think that that is kind of the key to it? Because for me personally, I feel like that's the thing that I'm seeing more frequently that's yielding better results for younger, newer artists, I should say, not necessarily younger. I think it's true. Um, I think people, as much as they like to say they like records, they're mostly listening to singles. Um, I think the numbers show that if you look at Spotify and whatnot. Um, but it is good. There is are benefits to your record, obviously. Touring cycle, putting out vinyl and physical, it's a good money generator. But I think having something to keep you in the Twitter world and on Reddit and on Facebook, seeing their name consistently, that's important. Whether yeah. it's a collab song like we did or a fresh new song, like um, I think it is important. Um, you know, unless you're like a legacy band to keep things consistent and put the best music you can at the time. Like you don't have to overthink it um, and come up with some masterpiece that's going to take, you know, years and years and years to do. If you like to do that kind of thing, that's fine too. But um, I think it's important to just do the best you can at the time and get it out to the world and back it with some good ads and um, really hype it up. You got to create hype. Uh, what you did the with the up. Dark Bloom release, man, like the idea of seeing like the heaviest We Car song in the whole universe coming forth for the first time because it's collabed with you guys, you know, that just creates instant excitement. It makes it be like, okay, are we doing a fucking We Car brand tour? Like what's coming up? Like, you yeah. know, which obviously like you can spill the beans right now, but you know, <laughs> no, nah, I'm just making shit up guys. But, um, how fucking cool. Like more bands, like I said, need to be doing that. I think that can, the, the consistency, like you stated of your releases has really allowed you to never lose any steam. You're always building upon these blocks, which is really nice because at that pace, you don't need it to be, well, we didn't go from 10 to 200,000 overnight. We went, bit by bit by bit by bit and one thing mm -hmm. i've talked about a lot on the show is that seems to be more fruitful in the long run for people with a business it will allow you yeah. to be able to maintain your business longer and be able to really see the you know ups and downs of what you're going through rather than having this insane overnight up and down explosion um because you could lose Which, it the next night. Well, exactly. In that case. Yeah, you know, so. that can be really, really scary. Um, but, dude, you guys are such an inspiration. And uh, what you've been doing in the scene is fucking wild. Your you. band is blown up like fucking crazy. Your business, all jokes aside, you had a fucking Forbes article. <laughs> That's the like, coolest shit. Like, being able to like look at that, that's gotta be crazy. That would be, I would get that put on a t shirt and I'd walk around wearing it, be like, Do you know I had a fucking Forbes article, bro? <laughs> you didn't look down. It's right here. You can read that shit, dude. Um, but um, it's really, really cool, man. And I think that you guys are arguably the best example for a young band out there that's looking to um, look at a model of success. And say, how do I 
get my independent music project to be moderately successful. And you guys have quickly become very successful. But I think that the inspiration that you will provide to other young artists is going to yield results for a very long time because you are kind of the beginning of this like awakening where people are like, oh, yeah, I can do almost all this shit myself. Like, I don't really need everybody's help. I'd love mm-hmm. to have help. Help is always welcome. Yeah. Not needing it, it's fucking sick. So, you know, congratulations on all your success, man. And and uh, you. can't wait to see what is up next. With that, you got anything you got to plug and shit? Um, we are going on tour in a couple of days with After the Burial and Thy Art is Murder. So if you want to come hang out on that, I will be on the road for the next two months, two and a half months. I'll be there at some point. Hell yeah. And then right after that, immediately after that, we're going on tour with Azalea Dying and Whitechapel. So it's going to be sick. And uh, Of Sulphur is on that too now? Of Sulphur? Yeah. So they're only doing a few of the dates that we can't do because we're still be, we're still going to be on thy art at that time. So, Oh, okay. Then we'll have to drive across the country to get to the Asley dying tour. So it's going to take that a few sucks. days. Sucks. Yeah. You guys own a van or are you renting one or what do you, what do you, we have a, we have a bus. We have a, we own a school bus. Oh, that's sick. Yeah. It's uh it's not like, it's basically like a 15 passenger van inside with like a v10 so it's got the, like the guts of a it's got the guts of those vans that people normally tour with but it has the chassis of a a bus in the space of a bus that's pretty so sick it's a little That'll easier to repair th- compared to other buses yeah that sounds a lot easier because that tends to be the issue with those is you have to bring it to um you know, a special shop that can actually lift a, a small bus or whatever and get to yeah. work on it. But um, when you can make them work, they're super sick. The space is awesome. We did yeah. a sprinter thing for a long time that was really comfortable and great. Um, like Ford Transit, I should say, not a sprinter. Mm-hmm. Um, that's idea. great. Those are two yeah. monster-sized tours. Um, you guys doing any international stuff coming up in the new year or anything? So we have, um, in October, we're doing Decapitated and Despised Icon in Europe. That is Um, very metal. That is a very metal one. And before that, there's going to be something else, but it hasn't been uh, announced yet. Oh, okay. Well, we can all speculate and try to figure out what it is. But It's metal as well. I can say that. I'm sure just about everything you'll do will be metal. Have you guys played with <laughs> Under Oath yet? Uh, not yet. I would love to do that, though. Man, that would be the sickest shit. I think out of all the collab stuff you've done, Enemy is that collab with Spencer is probably my favorite. Um, I like that one a lot. I feel like that one's a little slept on, uh, but that's okay. It, it, is, it's gro- but- it is growing in, as far as numbers go on the, on the back end, so. His voice sounds sick on it. He, he sounds killed it. Really, really good. Yeah, I love it. Um, 
But yeah, dude, thank you so much for being on the show. I hope you had a good time getting had a great time. And uh, hold on one second. I'll properly say goodbye to you off the air. All right. That was the show. Thank you to Kyle for being on the show this week. Thanks for the great suggestion and the ultimate mosh song with no face, no case. Go and listen to more stuff from them because they were super sick. Next up is Lee Albrecht of Holofront. I hope you have a lovely weekend. And as always, get
Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.